0: Everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Nice Trade Cast brought to you by RotoViz Radio and our friends over at Bet Online and Blue Wire. So, we're going to uh, get into the show today. Before we do, I want to welcome on our guest uh, or our guest host <laughs> guest. or our co host. <laughs> <laughs> Close. Yeah, the, the guest or the host. I can't talk right now. Apparently, I'm half asleep. Uh, Dan Sanyo, how's going going, Dan?
1: good you know it's only been five years or so of us doing this so that's yeah, no big deal guest guest
0: i was trying to make some sort of joke and it wasn't landing so i just kept on like making myself look worse <laughs> and i've been here for the last like three episodes <laughs> there you go so as always we're here to give the dynasty takes and before we get into the, the takes and the steaks and the cakes we got to let you know about ourselves Rotovis, rotoviscom slash radio make sure to get involved with a rotoviz past RotaVis Dot com slash radio. You 10% discount to all of our awesome content and tools, some great apps, some great articles, all the stuff you need to succeed in your rookie drafts, rookie auctions. And, of course, as we get into redraft season just a few months away, uh, we'll see how that goes with Corona. <laughs> but, anyways, uh, make sure to subscribe, rotaviz.com slash radio, 10% discount, uh, get involved in the action, and support the podcast. All right, so today, about an hour ago, I realized that we have, an an, we have a few annual you know episodes that we do every year we have our anatomy of a bad trader which we haven't done this year and there's there's several others but the one we haven't done that i wanted to do today was who's gonna lose their job or as our former our, i guess still he's still our friend but <laughs> our former co-host uh, uh eric burt's laugh used, used to call this who's gonna lose their gerb i think it's a south park reference i i don't really know But shout out to Eric for who's going to lose their gerb. And and also
1: because of the times, maybe we can just call it the rookie replacements.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I got called out on Twitter. Um, So rookie replacements, who is going to be replaced by a rookie uh, and put to the second string or the third string, if they are second string guys. So basically, who are are the players that are going to lose value due to players incoming through the NFL draft? And so we'll cover guys that, that may lose value and how we approach that. Maybe even possibly, you know, say, hey, this guy is already losing value because he's perceived to uh, be replaced. And so, you know, let let's say that, uh, you know, go buy him because he's not actually going to get replaced when people are, you know, already valuing like like he's going to be, right? That's right. There we go. All right. So let's get into the show. We'll go position by position our first position is going to be quarterback as it usually is. And we'll go through the list of guys that I think are possible to lose their jobs to incoming rookies or lose their positions to incoming rookies. And our first one is Tyrod Taylor. Tyrod Taylor, obviously uh, Phillip Rivers walked in free agency to the Indianapolis Colts. And especially once the news of Cam Newton being on the outs in Carolina, it was, I felt like it was almost assumed that Cam was on his way to Los Angeles And that hasn't happened yet as we we record on March 31st. So, you know, it's kind of looking like Tyrod Taylor is at least projected to be the starter as of March 31st. But I I do think that he is one of the bigger candidates to be replaced by a rookie. Obviously, many people have Justin Herbert or Tua going to the Chargers in mock drafts. So uh, do you have any contention with uh, Tyrod Taylor being replaced as QB1 for the Chargers?
1: Well, it's an interesting one. I feel like... I feel like if he's not replaced this year, he'll obviously be replaced in the very, very near future. The big thing with Tyrod is when he's been given the opportunity, he's he's been relatively good. He hasn't been a, a game changer you know, or, or an elite quarterback or anything like that, but he's been above average. He doesn't turn the ball over. He's, he's scary with his legs, and he's got a ton of tread left on the tires. He's really only played three seasons, and he's been in the league since 2011. You know, you look at those those three years with Buffalo where, I mean, he, he still didn't attempt a ton of passes, but he played in all but, I think, four games in those three seasons. So, it, you know, there always is a little bit of injury concern because of the way that he plays. But he's, he's a really nice bridge QB if you're going to go for one of the quarterbacks that maybe isn't super polished. So maybe the Chargers really like Jordan Love or they really like Jalen Hurts, the guys that need a little bit of work, you know, it, Getting a, a hold of an offense, or or kind of honing in their mechanics with their arm. Obviously, we know a couple of those guys are, are good runners. Maybe they do go the Herbert route, or or they need a year for Tua to be able to to fully heal. I, obviously, we don't think that Burrow is going to go anywhere past one. So I think Tyrod's going to be a guy that maybe is the one-year starter. I, I kind of the way the moves have gone, and the fact that they didn't go after Cam right away or Jameis Makes me think that they're content with Tyrod being a one-year starter, and um, you know I, I'm I'm all for it. I think he's he's great in that role. I think he's kind of always gotten a bad rap because I mean the, the numbers aren't super gaudy, but he he can play. That there's there's definitely no doubt about that. So I think there's no doubt that that uh, the Chargers bring in a new quarterback. I just don't know if he's going to re- be replaced immediately. I would guess it's going to be at least a half of a season. We'll get out of tie rod. So he, he might be a nice budget super flex or two QB league guy just to have for, for a little while to get those early season points.
0: Yeah. And he's a perfect example of a guy who he's going to be cheaper in March, April, May, then he will be in week three when you have an injury to your quarterback and you need to be starting a guy who has a job at that moment. And so he's a guy that I'd be looking to stash on my super flex bench. But I would say that the best case scenario for him for this year would be if Chua goes to Los Angeles because Tyrod is good enough that they can ride out a season, be a four and 12, five and 11 team. And, you know, start to build that team toward the future. I don't think the Chargers are any sort of a win now mode, especially if they end up taking Tua at six or three or wherever it may be. So I, I like Taylor in the simple fact that he is probably going to be the starter for at least a few weeks. And I think that few weeks turns into most of the season if it ends up being Tua.
1: Another thing that gives him a, a little bit healthier of a bump for Tyrod is the fact that he's actually got some some decent assets around him you know you have Keenan you have Mike Williams you have Hunter Henry you have uh, Austin Eckler I'm guessing they probably bring in another back to go along with Eckler but you have an offense that's you know (laughs) they're they're coherent Uh, he didn't exactly have that in Buffalo and they were still I mean they were okay so yeah I I see Zyrod as as a nice you know kind of stopgap guy and and we'll see what direction they go. It's looking to me like they're planning on just the rookie path with Tyrod. But I'd be all for a Cam Newton sighting, even if it does crush all of my Tyrod hopes and dreams.
0: Our next one is going to be the guy who probably has the least hope from a nice perspective, and it'll be Andy Dalton. Uh, there was some hope for him to end up with one of these starting jobs, but they, the starting jobs dried up very quickly and now we have basically three guys Andy Dalton James Winston and Cam Newton all searching for like two or three jobs maybe and even those jobs might be occupied by rookies so Andy Dalton does he serve any more purpose than basically an emergency backup in Superflex
1: as of right now it's tough Uh, another guy that I think is I mean he's a competent quarterback it's you know he's been stuck in Cincinnati and uh, obviously, being able to lean on AJ Green over the years has been wonderful, but I mean, he's got he's been done no favors at all. They've kind of yeah, held him held him at will in the contract stuff and haven't allowed him to to really move on. You know, he's a free agent after the season, which uh, I guess is in his favor. But at that point, you know, he's 33. There's probably more quarterback depth in the league unless all of, you know, Rivers and Roethlisberger and Brady and Breeze and all of those guys retire, there's there's not enough spots to go around. And it's – especially when you consider this class and then the next class, you've got a lot of good quarterbacks coming in that are going to have jobs. And, you know, Dalton's just – I think it's kind of a wrong place, wrong time situation for him because if burrow goes one he's starting week one there's there's no question about that i mean they went away from dalton for ryan finley for god's sake so it's yeah it's a tough spot i don't even i mean if you can get something for dalton I, i would say take it now that all of the starting jobs have kind of been locked up whether the perceived draft or you know the veteran signing through free agency so you know, if you're not going to get like a, anything better than like a third or a fourth, maybe hang on. But even a third, I'd probably consider at this point.
0: Yeah, I would take a third for him at this point, uh, especially if I could think I could flip that third for Tyrod. <laughs> Just because, you know, at, the, at this point, you're trying to buy starts. And I think that Tyrod has the easier path to starts than Dalton does at this stage. Uh, I think it's pretty obvious, obviously. And so next one we'll go to is the Patriots, Jarrett Stidham slash uh, Brian Hoyer. I, I just don't, and granted, there is some possibility that they're tanking for Lawrence, but I don't see Bill Belichick tanking, and I don't see him entering a season with Jarrett Stidham and Brian at quarterback. So I don't really know what they're doing in New England, but you know, and I don't think that they're going to trade up. So basically, it's going to lead them to either somehow trying to get the money for, for a cam or possibly trading up because i don't see them starting a, a from or a Hertz either so i think that the only possible starting quarterbacks in this draft at, as far as you know immediate starters are burrow herbert to uh immediate Depends on health of course and love i think that none of those guys will be there at their pick and when's the last time new england traded up in the first round
1: yeah they're they're the trade back if anything group but You know, if all of the questions are still surrounding Tua and everyone's still super afraid of him, you know, if he gets there, that's like, I mean, he's your new 101. If Tua Tua can get to New England somehow, that's your new 101. However, I don't think he gets there. I don't think any of those guys that are drafted in the first round, you know, the ones we just mentioned, are going to get to New England I do think that they have a little tiny sliver of faith in Jerry Siddham because they brought in Brian Hoyer, someone who knows the system, someone who is, I mean, it's everything they want in a backup quarterback, somebody that can come in and run an offense, not, you know, blow the doors off anybody, but be able to to go through a game plan and not have to worry about it. And now that Stidham's going to be going into his second year within the, you know, in the offense and, you know, he's a fourth round pick, it's not you know, amazing draft capital by any means, but we've seen crazier things happen. I think, I think honestly of the guys on this list, Stidham might have a decent shot at sticking, not forever, but through his rookie deal. And I mean, if it's, if he ends up doing well, you might see the, this next kind of, of branch of them getting really freaking lucky, drafting a a quarterback late, or you see the move where they trade Jimmy Garoppolo for a pick. They trade Jacoby Percet for a pick. They, they trade whoever and, you know, oh, it's a New England quarterback. They must know what they're doing. Let's trade too much for this guy. Uh, that's another possibility. So I think Stidham is probably your week one starter. And if he's not, if, if he doesn't go out in Nathan Peterman it, you might have some good value there. I've got him in a few places. I had him as a Debbie asset. I liked him early on in college. He kind of fell off towards the end. Uh, he had tons and tons of hype, but it, um, it didn't really all come together for him. So I think the tools are there. I, I think he can be an NFL guy. It, it's, it's whether or not it's consistent and, and not a turnover machine.
0: And we'll move on to our next quarterback, and it's going to be Gardner Minshew. The Jaguars showed their faith in Minshew by trading away Foles and by so far not pursuing Jameis or Cam Newton. So in all honesty, I think that this is probably a year away. I think that Minshew is going to get the 2020 season to show what he has, and then we'll you know, look at possibly them drafting a quarterback early in 2021. But I do think that... At the very least, he's at a threat to be in a competition with, like, a day two quarterback, like a Hertz, like a Fromm. But for now, I do think that he actually is one of the safer guys. I, I, I think he is the safest long-term, I guess, of, of this bunch.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I can see that. He was he was pretty damn solid last year, to be completely honest. I think their only move was to get rid of Foles. I can't believe they got somebody to take that contract and that kind of a deal. But – uh. And, you know, Minshew Minshew is just fine. I don't think anyone could have seen that coming. I know there was a very, very small number of folks that, you know, thought it was in the realm of possibilities. I certainly wasn't one of them. And he came out and kind of proved it. You know, they played 500 ball with Minshew, and he didn't turn the ball over. It's 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 such a big thing now in, you know, especially when you still have, like, the old front offices. Tom Coughlin, maybe he's looking at this like – you know, let's just try to get through a few seasons, see if we can, we can ride Leonard Fournette for a little while longer and, and try to try to rebuild a defense in a couple of years. And, and maybe your quarterback comes in afterwards. I think Minshew can, again, I, I think he can stick. I think, I think he showed enough last year where, you know, I mean, he has a six round pick, so he's replaceable, but he's also shown that he can play in the NFL and he can win a little bit. So, it's yeah, it's so hard to speculate on on what they're going to do, but I think, like you said, of all of these guys, he's he, he could definitely do it. He he showed a good amount last year, and you know because of his age and, and all of that, you know you know Stidham's right there with him, but we didn't see anything from Stidham last year. If Stidham came out and you know say Brady got hurt early on and Stidham put up those numbers, people were going nuts. But because it's Minshew and it's because it's Jacksonville, no one's no one's thinking twice about it. Everyone's like, ah, they'll they'll replace them, blah blah blah. But it's yeah, it's it's a nice, cheap, you know, low low risk, high reward type deal. Uh, again, not going to be a huge, huge numbers, but they're good enough for sure, especially as a fantasy asset. You, that's a solid, you know, QB two numbers, but he can be your QB three on a super flex team.
0: And our last quarterback who. I don't think he's at much risk of being replaced in week one, but at the same time, I do think that his team, the Pittsburgh Steelers, Ben Roethlisberger, they are probably the best fit for Jameis right now. Like, you know, the best fit out there for Jameis has to be Ben Roethlisberger because, I mean, has to be the Steelers, therefore playing Ben Roethlisberger. And I don't see, I, I still have some sort of faith in Jameis that, assuming he signs a deal and becomes a QB two somewhere where it's not like a locked in starter. I think he's going to battle his way to to some playing time. And so I guess that's my take here is I think that Roethlisberger is at risk to to being replaced by a a Jameis or a cam. And if not, then I think he's at risk of at least having to compete with like a Jalen Hurts or a Jake Fromm on day two, but granted he just did that with Rudolph and Rudolph was awful.
1: Yeah. Well, Rudolph is awful. Um, Jameis is, is honestly probably at this point for sure a lateral move from Ben. You know, it's a high volume offense. They're gonna throw the ball a ton. Um, they're gonna turn the ball over a little bit. You know, Ben's certainly not uh not safe with the football. I think he he you know, on his full seasons he averages like fifteen picks or fourteen picks or something like that. In Jameis would would make a lot of sense here. I, I think I think they try to give Ben a farewell tour, but I do think he's out after this season. They do have an out on the contract after the 2020 season. So I feel like this is probably it. We've heard about Ben retiring since it seems like forever now. So it could be a clean break and that could just be it. Uh, I would like to see them bring in a rookie, but yeah, I feel like Jameis, Jameis here would be would be a really, really good move for Pittsburgh. And if Ben does happen to miss time or or he's not fully healed and ready to go, that's a very, very easy changeover to go from Ben to Jameis.
0: All right, let's move on to the running backs. And we're going to start with Jameis Winston's former teammate, Ronald Jones, or as Tom Brady called him, Ron Jones. So obviously pretty much the entire offseason, many have projected the Bucks to take a running back on day two. And I don't see that not happening at this stage. You know, maybe a Dobbins, maybe a Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. But there has to be something because the Bucks are in win-now mode. And I don't see them going into the season with a Ronald Jones, who hasn't really shown much at the NFL level, to have as, like, the backup plan. So, like, what if Tom Brady's arm isn't as good as it used to be, which it's not.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, they, they're – probably going to lean a little bit more on on the run than we'd like to because of Brady. And I I think I've probably said it enough on the show where people know that I I do like Ronald Jones. I think he can be an NFL starter, not necessarily a bell cow, but I I think he's a really nice 1A or 1B for an offense. Um, He had some opportunity last year, however inconsistent, it, um, you know, he, he definitely flashed, and you can kind of look up and down the schedule and see that a lot of his big stuff happened against kind of shoddy defenses. But more often than not, it was, you know, was he used? What did the game script look like? He, You know, he showed some pass-catching chops, which I know was a, kind of a big question for him coming out. Uh, I, I think he can absorb a little bit of that role, and I think he could very easily have 8, 10, 12 carries a game. Uh, obviously that's nowhere near bell cow numbers but uh, you know when he was getting the ball that's basically what he was doing last year and uh yeah it's it's going to be tough to to you know to kind of project them to not go running back in the second or third round and maybe they get a couple because maybe it's an arian's thing maybe he doesn't like ronald jones you know, we hear all the, where we see all the blurbs of, oh, you know, showing, Arian's showing more faith. And, and, and while well, we're all in on Ronald Jones, like, you just stop. We, we we get it, you know, let the, the numbers are there. We are not using him the way you're talking about him. So, yeah, I, I think at this point he's, he's in pretty decent jeopardy of, I don't know if he'll fully lose out, but he's definitely not going to get the lion's share.
0: I, I will say one thing that, I don't think he's a good buy right now because of, he's at, in that jeopardy. If the Bucks take a running back in the fourth round or the fifth round, I'm going to buy, buy, buy all of the Ronald Jones because the NYC community is going to treat that fourth round running back like they're better than Ronald Jones. And that that shouldn't be the case. Granted, you know, he has the line of work that he's shown so far, but I'll take Ronald Jones over a fourth, fifth round running back even, you know, after the Bucks take him.
1: For sure. And and, I mean, if you go look at the historical data on that, all of your successful drafted running backs are from rounds one and two, you see a few smattered in from three, four, five, six, and seven, but it's nowhere near prominent. And, you know, Ronald Jones, he he falls in, you know, in in the the criteria of a first or second round guy. He was a 38th. Well, I think he was 38th overall pick. Um, And unless they're going to spend similar capital two years later, which they could, and there's good backs in this in this class. There's going to be great ones available around that pick. Uh, I don't know where they pick, but it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see. But you, I think you're right. If they go if they go running back anytime after the third, uh, it's probably Ronald Jones backfield.
0: Yep. All right, we're going to combine two backs here that pretty much have kind of the same story. We have Mark Ingram and Damien Williams, both on high potent offenses, both have benefited from that and both at high risk of being replaced by a rookie running back, both because they're a little bit on the older side, as well as the fact that they are on teams that can afford the luxury of a J.K. Dobbins early or a DeAndre Swift early. So uh, which one of these two guys are you worried about most, or are they both at equal risk of being replaced?
1: I think they're both pretty equal, uh, you know, at equal risk of being replaced. Um, Ingram was somebody I was pushing hard to sell because it, I, I think uh, during the season last year, at this point, you're not going to get enough for him. But during the season last year, people were overpaying for him left and right because of what he was doing, because of the offense that he was in. Um, you know, he, he's 30 now, I think. And they do have an out on this contract after the 2020 season. So for me, it's always a, a get out a year early rather than a year late. And I, I think if you didn't get out during the season, it, uh, it, it just wasn't going to work out for you. And with Damian Williams, there was, you know, there was so much hype about it and, and it got out of control. Obviously there was a lot of, uh, a lot of naysayers and they were <laughs> right <laughs> for the most part. He had his, his days, but, uh, again, you know, he, he's an unrestricted free agent after the season. So they're going to bring in someone. It, is, does that mean he loses his job week one? Maybe. Maybe not. Maybe he gets a little bit of work here and there. Uh, I still think Darryl Williams is a little bit part of the plan. He he looked good in his limited work. I know a lot of people like the other dude that I think played like four snaps all, all year. Thompson. Darwin Thompson. Yeah, that was a good one. People giving up second round picks for him. Good, good job, guys. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I don't think he's a factor in this. You know, it, you look. If you look again. We're going to talk about especially with running backs. This class is so strong that the fourth round running back there could stick because it's Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid offense. Whatever they use is going to happen. It just so happened that Damien Williams could stay healthy, and they were mixing in other backs, whether it be Shady McCoy, you know, Daryl Williams, not using Darwin Thompson, obviously. Uh, yeah, I, both of these guys, I, I think, are on different teams in, in 2021. So it's, uh, yeah, I, I hope we see an earlier rather than later back go to Kansas City so that we don't have to question it or worry about what's going to happen. Um, I do think a rookie most definitely takes the Kansas City job. And, uh, you know, Baltimore might be content with riding Ingram until the wheels actually fall off because he looked okay to pretty damn good some weeks last year. But uh, again, it, it comes to a value standpoint. You're not going to get anything for Dam- Damien Williams. You might still get a little something for Mark Ingram. But if you wait until after the draft and both teams end up going with running back in you know the second or third, you, you're not going to get anything for either one of these guys. So uh, if you have owners showing interest in either, I, I think now's probably realistic here last chance unless for some reason – you know, Baltimore goes an entire draft without taking a running back. Then we all have egg on our face. Uh, obviously, Justice Hill is still there, and who knows with him? I don't think we saw enough of him last year to to make any calls on that. And the Kansas City backfield is, uh, I would to be completely honest, say is wide open. No one, no one has that job that's on the roster.
0: All right. We are going to wrap up the running back position with a trio of running backs. And how we're going to do this is I'm going to say a name and then you're going to give me scale of one to 10, how worried you'd be about having them on your roster based on the threat of an incoming rookie. And then we'll kind of talk about it afterwards. So first one, Devin Singletary. Negative three. Todd Gurley. 17. Carry on Johnson. <laughs> Eight. Okay, I will first respond to the Todd Gurley 17. I don't see it. I, I don't think that he needs to worry about his job right now. I think the Falcons have many other needs. I think they brought in Todd Gurley. I think they have you know, some NFL running backs behind him. And so I, I think that the earliest the Falcons would be the best running back would be like the fifth or sixth round, in which case that's not a threat to Todd Gurley. So I'm not worried about Todd Gurley whatsoever. He'd be on the, like, the three scale to me. I'm more worried about his health than I am about an incoming rookie singletary i also agree with you but i have seen some mock drafts that have had him in day two uh but i don't really see the bills going in that direction especially after they gave up picks for, for Stephon diggs and carry johnson he's not a guy that i thought of before i sent out the tweet and someone responded with with carry johnson i i don't think he's shown enough to be like oh of course carry on johnson's not going to get replaced but i don't I don't really see the the Lions as a prime, like early running back candidate, but I wouldn't be shocked if they took one on, on the third round either. So
1: for sure. Yeah. Singletary to me of, of the group is, I mean, obviously has the most upside at this point, but I think they've kind of filled that, that offense in around Josh Allen now getting, you know, their, their big time wide receiver and stuff on Diggs, I feel like they focus on everything else rather than the skill positions. With Gurley, I, I think it's more of what the future holds rather than week one, as far as my concern there. One-year contract, we don't know about the health. Yeah, Atlanta's nice, uh, especially for running back usage. So we could see Todd Gurley, you know, with a top five running back season very, very easily, assuming he's 100%. And, you know, the the knee is, you know, it holds up and whatever else is there. Um He's probably got the highest short-term ceiling of of the three. I think Singletary isn't really all, all that far behind, and Carry on It just never felt to me like they were all in on him. You know, it it he didn't. You know, he again, it's another one of those guys that that shows a little bit, but doesn't really feel like he's a hundred percent there um the passing game work i think is is one of my i guess greater concerns uh, you know rookie season he only played like 8 or 9 games and he was okay in the passing game but last year playing i think he played 8 games he did almost nothing um that's my biggest concern when it comes to carry on johnson is he's going to be slid down to the the Marlon Max of the world the uh, the formerly Sony Michelle the guys that could potentially do okay in in carries but when we're you know when PPR now is is the new the norm i mean everyone's no one says standard anymore it's just you know it's a PPR league he's not going to be the guy you're going after to get as a rb2 uh, i just it it doesn't feel like detroit ever really was all in on him and and i, I don't see enough upside or enough i guess ability there where they don't bring someone in Uh, maybe it's not early it might not be first second third but I, i think they bring in somebody to compete for sure
0: yep that makes sense and i i do think that the general public isn't valuing carry on like he could possibly lose carries to the draft so uh with that being said we should hear a word from our sponsor
1: With currently no NBA, NHL, or MLB, you might think there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner still has hundreds of sports events, games to wager on, all sorts of different things. Or you can let them bring Vegas right to you with their online casino and blackjack. All open 24 hours a day, all online, which includes their $750,000 poker series. If you're into props and entertainment betting, you can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and even the weather. Visit their website and join today to receive a 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Be sure to use our promo code BLUEWIRE, that's B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E. Bet online, your online wagering experts.
0: All right. Now let's get into the wide receiver position, which uh, Dan and I were talking just before the show about how this is a very deep wide receiver class, but it's just an odd wide receiver, you know, atmosphere for teams like either teams have one stud and nothing else or they have a, you know, a a group of studs like, you know, Calvin Ridley, Julio Jones or Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. Or they have absolutely nothing a la the Raiders or the Jets or some other team or the, the Texans at this point. <laughs> so, you know, it's kind of hard to find players that are going to be replaced by the rookie draft, by the NFL draft slash rookie draft. Uh, but one guy who was replaced last year and I think is going to be further replaced this year is Corey Davis. I think that the the Titans are going to commit to giving Ryan Tannehill everything he needs to you know, be a quality NFL passer. And much like you would a, you know, a rookie quarterback, you got to do it with your newly signed free agent quarterback. And so while Corey Davis might be an okay wide receiver two, I like think he'd be a much better wide receiver three, invest another day two pick the wide receiver position, uh, make him be the wide receiver two behind A.J. Brown.
1: Yeah, Corey Davis is a weird one. Obviously A.J. Brown coming in really, um, you know, pumped the brakes on, on what everyone's kind of hopes and dreams were for Corey Davis, Uh, rookie season obviously was was extremely underwhelming started to look like he was going to put some things together in 2018 uh, as a nice sophomore campaign was kind of underway Uh, the targets were there wasn't super efficient but still you know kind of learning the the NFL and then last year it was the wheels really kind of fell off last year I, I think I think Tennessee is is okay having him as just kind of the if-we-need-you wide receiver too. Uh I, I think we see a, a, a decent uptick for Johnny Smith this year, which I think further pushes Davis out of the picture. And obviously this offense is, is Derrick Henry first, Derrick Henry second, Derrick Henry third. And if Ryan Tannehill has to make some plays, he'll make some plays. And obviously A.J. Brown is going to keep being A.J. Brown. So this one to me... You know Tennessee. I think they'll bring in some competition. I don't know that they bring in any high end competition. I mean, they spent the fifth overall pick on Corey Davis. It'd, it'd be hard to realistically give up on him now, at least not ride out his his full rookie contract. Uh, I see them, you know, bringing in that that kind of that further down depth, those those, you know, the Tyler Johnsons, Leviska Chenaults, that kind of area in the draft. Where you're still getting good wide receivers, you're just not fully committing to the position like they did with Corey Davis in the 105, um, which, you know, it is what it is. Not all things turn out the the best way possible. So, you know, Corey Davis is going to be losing potentially a wide receiver two job. I still think he holds on to it, but it's not really going to be the volume. It's not going to be, you know, fantasy relevant. Uh, it's going to be a one-wide receiver offense. That's really what Ryan Tannehill can support. That doesn't mean that Jonu Smith couldn't still technically be a, an okay tight end because tight end doesn't really require a whole lot uh, to be to be relevant. But, yeah, Corey Davis, it, it sucks. Uh, you know, I, I, I was uh, somewhat excited about him coming into the NFL, especially when he went with the fifth overall pick. It just, you know, Tennessee isn't really the – superior landing spot and you know having Marcus Mariota for a bit there and him not really going on on all cylinders didn't help so yeah it's a sad one but I think I think his is kind of inevitable
0: and our next one will be Devontae Parker Miami Dolphins he's a a bit interesting because I'm not sure he'll be replaced in the sense like I think that he's going to enter the season as the Dolphins wide receiver one but right now he's the Dolphins' wide receiver one, and there's nothing else. So he was funneled with targets throughout the 2019 season, and I think that they're going to add a wide receiver or two to where the the wire, the targets can be more evenly distributed, and he isn't force-fed the ball, which will end up hurting his production. So yes, he he might still be the Dolphins' wide receiver one in the in the short term, but I don't see him getting the the target volume he got towards the middle of last year.
1: Yeah, once Preston Williams went out, uh, I I think the offense kind of changed and kind of all went through Devontae Parker. However, you know, and they do have the potential out after this season on the contract. But he is technically signed through 2023, not, you know, crazy money by any means. Um, I think $7 million in in 2021 is, is what's due. So, I. You know this is a this is an interesting one because I do think that they still really like Preston Williams. Uh, who knows how how he comes back? Um, whether he's fully healthy or he needs a little extra time, whatever it happens to be. I think he showed enough last year where these two could be a formidable one-two punch. And then you you know you consider the Mike Kisecki kind of coming on here now. It's going to be what year three? It's kind of when we see tight ends start to come into their own. I think this team really focuses on, A, what they're going to do at quarterback, and as far as offense goes, running back. I think everybody's everybody and their mother is is projecting a, a running back to the Dolphins relatively early, uh, I would assume, in the first couple of rounds. This team has a lot of holes as well, so with Devontae Parker and with Preston Williams, Maybe they focus on the other holes instead of trying to get one of the marquee names. Uh, I, I would again like, like with Tennessee, see them going a little further down the list, going after some of the depth rather than the high end stuff, and try to build this team out a little bit, try to try to fill in around whoever their their next franchise quarterback is going to be, whether it's you know Tua or Justin Herbert or. Jordan love and crazy things can happen. We never know. But uh, on this, I feel pretty good. Surprisingly, because of the way the career started with Devontae Parker, I feel pretty good about he and actually Preston Williams in this offense. Uh, hopefully they don't bring in a potato for a quarterback, but uh, I think these two guys are actually relatively safe.
0: And we'll close out the wide receiver position with Hunter Renfro. It's he's an interesting case because nobody is considering him the Las Vegas Raiders wide receiver one when at this time he is, I mean, you know, it's not Nelson Aguilar and, you know, they, they haven't drafted a wide receiver yet. They're going to draft a wide receiver, maybe two, maybe three at this point, who knows. But do you think that maybe we are overestimating what's going to be coming in for the Raiders? Cause I feel like what is Renfro probably like an eighth, ninth round startup value. Like, are, are we trying to kind of like giving away his targets before that we should have?
1: No, I think, I mean, he, he didn't have a real big chunk of the offense to begin with, um, but he gained it with like everyone <laughs> just
0: falling off the face of the earth.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, no, for sure. I, I think you pretty much can write in CD lamb or Jerry Judy to the Raiders. And I think you're right. I think they bring in probably at least one more of the, decent value to try to surround their quarterbacks with players that they need. Obviously they already have Josh Jacobs in there uh, as the running back who can kind of take over that, that work. But Hunter Renfro to me, isn't going to be anything more than their slot guy. He's what like five, nine and he weighs like a buck 70. So, you know, you can kind of take it with whatever you want, but, You also still have Tyrell Williams. Yeah. He's, he's still a thing.
0: Is he? I have no idea.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I I think they would have already had to cut him if they were going to cut him. I I think that deadline is passed, but he's due like 11 million. So it's going to be whoever they draft first round Tyrell Williams and then Hunter Renfro. And that's if, you know, a tight end doesn't come into play. Or they decide to actually use Josh Jacobs as a pass catcher because I don't know if you knew this, Nathan, but Josh Jacobs is actually a really good pass catcher. I, did you know that he went to Alabama and he was actually pretty good at it there?
0: Wow, that that's breaking news <laughs> to me. All right, we'll close out the show with a couple tight ends. I'm going to go with the one that I'm going to talk about, and then you'll talk about the one you're talking about. Uh, my first is Blake Jarwin. Uh, this is more of a hopeful one because I think that – Granted, this tight end class is yucky, but if we get an Albert O.K. to Dallas with Dak Prescott and Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup, I think that is an absolutely great offense for Albert O.K. to end up in. So uh, that's what I'm rooting for, I'm rooting for Blake Jarwin to lose his job to, to <laughs> Albert O.K. But uh, do you, you said before the show that you think that Jarwin is safe. Why do you think that's the case?
1: Well, I mean, they just signed him to a, a decent contract. It's not a monster by any means, but he's due like what, average four million a year or something like that. I don't know. I feel like they wouldn't they wouldn't bring him back with a decent contract if they didn't think that he was going to be part of the offense. Uh, he looked the part last year in his very limited role, but he was efficient with his targets. He, you know, he took full advantage of any time anytime he did get the ball it seemed to go decently well we just didn't get a lot of volume I think he had one week of more than five targets so you know we, we haven't seen him with with full volume we still had the corpse of Jason Witten jogging up and down the field all year last year so I, I think I think jarwin gets his gets his share for these couple of years that I think his contract is guaranteed. However, like you said, if Albert O makes it to Dallas, it is truly prime real estate for a tight end. You know, that you you're losing those Randall Cobb targets and I think that can very easily be absorbed by whoever is going to be playing tight end whether it's Jarwin or a potential rookie. I just think that this rookie class is relatively gross and it's really difficult for me to to take one and put it in front of somebody that just signed a contract and has been on the team for a couple of years now. So uh, I would say Jarwin is pretty damn safe, but Jerry does a lot of stupid stuff. So I guess it's possible.
0: And we will wrap up the show with Jack Doyle, uh, another offense that certainly has some real estate to uh, be received for both wide receivers and tight ends. Uh, what are your thoughts on Jack Doyle possibly losing, uh, you know, being replaced?
1: Well, after 2017, everyone thought Jack Doyle was gonna be like the guy, and then Eric Ebron happened. It was pretty good when they used him correctly, and we well, 2018 I think was was you know a little different because Jack Doyle was injured, but then last year you see a, a Pretty steep drop off in targets from that 2017 season. And, you know, again, it's another guy that I think signed a decent contract just a couple of years ago. But how comfortable are they? That's yet to be determined, I guess. They do have a clean out after this season, and he's due a good chunk of money in 2021 and 2022. So I feel like Hindi could go after tight end whenever the tight ends start coming off of the board, maybe like fourth-ish round. Uh, that feels probably about when a lot of these guys will, will start to come off. And, you know, maybe maybe it's not just Albert L. There's a couple of other guys that that are okay. They're more cool, like – Yeah, you know, kind of a, a similar to Jack Doyle tight there. Yeah. Um, but you get the more athletic bunch, the the playmaker down the field types. I feel like is going to fit better in the indie offense. But you know, you have Philip Rivers who has had the luxury of throwing to some pretty damn good tight ends over over his career too. So whatever tight end it's going to be, I think is going to be valuable. Um, I don't know that it's going to be Jack Doyle. I think that they could find someone that they like uh, to you know to play tight end here with Philip Rivers as, as kind of his final send-off, but I think this year for sure is going to be a nice tight end season for, again, whoever it's going to be. It's, it's a weird one. Um, I've never really been a huge, huge fan of Doyle and kind of was hoping that Ebron would stick, but now he's in an even better situation for tight end, so maybe there's a, a we, we stick with the two tight end stuff. They seem to do okay with that and TY on the outside, and then they continue to you know, pound Marlon Mack between the tackles for way too many times for not that many yards and score a couple of touchdowns
0: for sure. All right. Uh, that'll wrap us up for today's podcast. Thanks so much for listening. And uh, any last words, Dan, stay inside, wash your
1: hands, be kind to others. Stay away from old people.
0: I agree with all those things from my lovely co-host, not the guests, damn scene now. <laughs> Kadoosh!